It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Good afternoon. Long Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and thank you all for joining Patricia Adams Live. We have a very, very, my goodness, auspicious, I shouldn't say auspicious, that's not a good word, but we have a gentleman on the line, his name is C. David Moody II, and he is accomplished in his own right on the first half of his journey. He says he's on the second half of his journey, and he has graciously given of his time, which is very valuable, and coming on Patricia Adams Live to tell us about his story of overcoming childhood sexual abuse at the hands of a male babysitter. And I want to reiterate that. This is C. David Moody. He is C. David Moody II, and he is telling his story of overcoming childhood sexual abuse at the hands of a male babysitter. And if you hear and you're out there and you've been suffering in silence and you just didn't think that you were going to be able to make it, that you're going to be able to tell your story, that you're going to have the strength to get through it, some of you have turned to so many different things, but this time I'm asking you to turn and look up, look up, because your day of deliverance is at hand, and I pray that today be that day, be the beginning of your deliverance out of your dilemma. Mr. Moody, I want to tell the audience a little bit more about you. Some of you may know him. He is an established entrepreneur in the Atlanta area. He owns a construction company. He is the CEO. He started that company out by himself from the ground and built it up to what it is today. And he has received various awards in Atlanta and across the country. He has matriculated and articulated his desires to organizations around the world, and he's had the opportunity to travel, and I applaud him and his wife, Carla. I would love, love to talk to Carla one day. That lady is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal, and he does not shy back from giving her the credit in his story. And I want you guys to please, please take the time to read his book, Fight Through the Fear. It's on Amazon. It's available in paperback and in Kindle. And you can go to moodyspeaks.com, M-O-D-Y speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S.com, and get the paperback copy. He'll autograph it for you, I believe. So he's talking about his victory over childhood sexual abuse. He had a typical American middle-class lifestyle. Growing up in the 1960s, he played sports, he went to college, and professionally all all the way through the time that he decided that he was done with football. And he talks about that in his book, and I don't want to dwell on that, but I just want you guys to realize that this was an all-American boy. He was the boy next door. He was the boy that you went to school with, that you sat next to in class. He went to school. He continued to have issues, and immediately after the abuse, and he lived with the fear and the intimidation of what this young man, who was a teenager at the time himself, and Mr. Moody was not yet a teen. He was still in puberty, inflicted upon him. And that's a lot. That's a lot to go from being a carefree young boy to being violated by someone who knew better. He knew better. Perhaps someone did it to him, but he knew better. And I just want to say to those of you out there who always grew up hearing about stranger danger, 
about staying away from the white van and the man in the trench coat offering you candy. I'm an advocate for people who are dealing with non-stranger danger, people that you know, people in your family, people in your neighborhood, people in your church, wherever they are, it's somebody that you know. More people are being abused by people that they know, but it is underreported. Mr. Moody found the strength when he finally had the opportunity to tell his wife after decades of suffering in silence. And the reason why he was able to speak up to his wife was because she confided in him that someone in her family, she had just gotten the news that someone in her family had been sexually violated by someone that they all knew. And at that moment, he spoke out of his mouth to his wife for the first time, and for the first time to anybody, that he had been sexually violated as a child. And to set this in order that the difficulties he had in advancing from that moment of telling it to his wife having a mother who was in the final stages of dying from brain cancer, and at the same time he was battling anxiety and having attacks and PTSD and going through all of the traumas that his body was putting him through for having spoken it because then it became a reality. It's like keeping it a secret, it didn't affect him physically in the manifestation of the illnesses and the things that he went through until he spoke it out of his mouth, then it became not just something that he knew, but something that somebody else knew. So we go forward into this story, and Mr. Moody has um, gone through so many different areas of his life where he's excelled, but he still has to battle this anxiety, this PTSD that came from the trauma that he experienced. Now, Mr. Moody, when you talked about the day that you were in your pickup truck and you were driving, you had to pull over because you thought you were having a heart attack. That moment it came a little bit after you had shared with your wife that you had been sexually abused. And she was dealing with her mother's imminent death. And there you were, this man, this successful man, and you had to pull over and call for help. You called, you know, to your wife, you called 911, and they came to your rescue and basically checked you out and said there was nothing wrong. Is that correct? Yes. That is correct. But that that moment from the time that you spoke of it to your wife to the time that that attack happened on the highway, do you remember the time frame? Was it months, um, I believe? It was probably three or four months in between. But leading up to that attack, first of all, let me tell you, thank you for having me uh, on your show. I think it's very important what you're trying to do, which is, help people not suffer in silence. That's one of the reasons I finally spoke up, and it actually took me a total of 46 years from the time it happened to me before I spoke publicly. I was 26 years before I told anyone, which was my wife. And a couple things I wanted to make sure was clear. Uh, My website is moodyspeaks.com, M-O-O-D-Y speaks.com. And I played football in college, and you kind of said some professionally. I didn't play professional football. I don't want anybody to get that impression. So I wasn't sure uh, about that. I always like to make sure, keep the facts straight. And, yes, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse who buried it like so many people for decades. Uh, I felt if I never said it out loud to myself, then it really didn't happen. And I remember like yesterday when I told my wife, And I remember my mind going, Dave, don't tell it. We've been protecting you for all these years. We got you. We got you covered. And I just kind of blurted it out. I said, that happened to me. And at first I thought everything was fine. I mean, I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And then over the next few months, I started feeling less and less in control of myself, my emotions, just I just felt out of out of sorts. And when I look back now, it was kind of like the old pressure cooker where when you release all that pressure, that top rattles and then the steam comes out. Well, it was kind of like I had been so wound up keeping that secret buried for 26 years that when I finally said it out loud that it really happened, my body just started to unwind from all the stress that I didn't realize I had been keeping. 
And then finally, which happens to so many of us, I had panic attacks. I thought the first one was a heart attack, but it was basically a panic attack. But in 1992, when that happened, people weren't talking about the effects of childhood sexual abuse. So I really didn't have anywhere to turn, or nor did I think what happened to me 26 years earlier had anything to do with why I was having these panic attacks. So I went to my doctor, and my doctor said, uh, you know, your business is four years old. You're just probably under stress. You know, here's a couple of pills to take. So we hadn't even connected the dots. Well, about a month or so later, I had a really bad one out of town, which actually led to a complete nervous breakdown. But I couldn't tell anyone but my wife and a couple of friends, close friends, because my business was only four years old. So I actually had to keep it a secret try and heal, try and figure out what was going on, and keep my business running. And that's why I finally I decided to speak up because no one should have to suffer in silence like that for something that wasn't their fault, especially uh, children who become adults who have not dealt with the effects of childhood sexual abuse. So that's kind of how it all came together. And eventually I started MoodySpeaks.com because I realized there was a real need, especially for men, because so many men, heterosexual male as I am, when you've been sexually abused by another male, it, it really can just devastate you because you're trying to figure out how did, how did that happen. Um, And then there's the stereotypes that go with it. And it's just, it's really a tough thing. And then so often, you know, 90% of predators is someone in the family or close to the family. So, so often the survivor is told to kind of keep it quiet so they don't mess up either the family dynamics or we'll keep you away from that person. And so often we say children are resilient, but we forget the damage done so often in childhood doesn't really manifest itself until adulthood. And so many survivors are forced to see their abuser throughout their life. And it's just basically reliving the abuse constantly for so many people. Fortunately, I didn't have to see mine anymore, but I I can only imagine for those who do and those where the family have said, let's just kind of sweep it under the rug or don't know where to turn for help. So that's why I started speaking up. One, I wanted to help people see you could turn trauma into triumph. I wanted people to still see you can have an incredible life. Yes, it's 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 tough, it's hard, but with proper therapy and, and support and love, we can do some incredible things. And so often the media shows survivors of sexual abuse as defeated, sad, and um, no life. And I just wanted to show, you know, we're damaged to a point, but we can still have incredible lives. And that's why I started speaking up, because I know the damage that was done to me um, as a child and through adulthood. And I want to thank you for speaking up because one of the things that caused me to reach out to you is because I was searching for other men, other men who had spoken up. And I was searching the Internet and searching the Internet and searching the Internet. I mean, you can find, you know, women easily who are speaking up, but finding men who are speaking up was really hard. And I guess I had searched enough that the Internet finally pushed up your information, right. and I just was all over it. And I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, do I reach out to him? Because I read, and I said, oh, God, he's probably really busy. Like, you know, he, and I'm like, I don't have the luxury of not reaching out. All he can do is say no. And I want to tell you guys, he was so gracious. <laughs> he was so gracious um, when I first reached out to him, and that made me think, okay, this is the time. This is the time for the men and to build that bridge, to build that network for men to speak up. And when I tell you 
that a young man reached out to me in particular. He's probably uh, in his 20s, and he told me, he says, I've been trying to connect with you 10 times almost, and each time I told myself not to connect with you because I wasn't ready to tell my story. He says, but I've listened to your broadcast, and I've listened to things that you've shared, and I finally had the courage to reach out to you. And he began to just tell me some of what he had gone through. And I told him, you know, whatever I could do, whatever I could say, whatever I could share, if he was ready to come on and share, I would do that. I don't have it in me to tell someone that they're lying. And what I know personally is that a predator will groom. Just I'm, I'm just, when I was reading your story, just for example, for them to come to you, and I'm sure you weren't the only boy or child that they babysat, and choosing you and choosing maybe someone else up the block or around the corner or whatever to maybe abuse. Predators are patient. They will groom you. They will uh, wait for an opportunity to pursue you. And you can come from a family of four or five other people, other children, and they will intentionally pick the one that is considered the one that they can get over on, if you would, for lack of a better word right now. And then that person grows up. And I've gone out and I've spoken to other organizations, and I've had women come up to me after the fact and say, you know, uh, my sister told me that she was abused by our parents. Well, I don't believe her because our parents never abused us. And I said to them, just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean that it didn't happen to your sister. You can't negate somebody else's story because of what didn't happen to you and you lived in the same house because that's how it goes, that they pick and choose who they will abuse. And why, you know, they do that, it's all I can tell is to divide and to isolate. If they can divide the family, if they can isolate you and influence you enough to hold your secret, their secret, because really their secret, their shame, then they sometimes will repeatedly, and in my case, I'm speaking as well because I kept my silence for a long time, and I was sexually abused. But to go on, and anybody who's tuned in right now and you need help, call 1-800-636-46. I'm sorry, let me repeat that, 1-800-656-4673. That's the National Sexual Assault Hotline. While we're doing this broadcast, if anything in you gets triggered, please reach out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. I, need, I felt like I needed to stop and say that because I don't know who's listening right now. But, Mr. Mooney, the fact that you were able to go from that point of being in the truck and then success, you know, you, you kept having them kind of close, the, the panic attacks. And it was all because I, I, I read the timeline of your mother-in-law passing, I think it was like within 90 days, of your wife getting the phone call that she was dying. And during those 90 days, you were almost incapacitated by the panic attacks. Is that correct? That is correct. I mean, it was, you know, I tell people I was 36 years old. I'm 63 now. Um, but I was 36 years old when it ha- when I started having panic attacks. And it really, you know, over the years has helped me truly understand how fragile we can be. But more importantly, I learned how strong all of us are. I mean, there are going to be times in all of our lives where we're going to feel broken. We're going to feel we can't get up. But we are just so strong, and we will get up. And that's the other reason I speak up, because I – I have an incredible life. I enjoy life. I still have moments where I think about it. I still deal with anxiety occasionally, but with proper therapy, I know how to manage it. I understand it. I understand my triggers. And I just, you know, share my story to help others. I'm not a professional counselor, but I'm just a survivor who shares this story so other people don't have to suffer in silence. And it's... um estimated 42 million survivors just in the United States. Uh, my website, moodyspeaks.com, has been read in over 130 countries. Um, it, it's just it's, it's so prevalent. I mean, we read about it every day 
about when a predator finally is caught or arrested, just the outstanding number of uh, survivors that exist. And part of the problem is what you said earlier, is usually someone, you know, close to the family, well-known or respected, and people don't want to believe that about that person. So there's a habit of people just turning their heads, not, um, ex- you know, want to accept it. Um, and I think one of the most important things we can do for any kid, if a child tells you they've been sexually abused, is to believe them because until it's proven that it's not true, which is rare, if you don't believe them when they tell you, if you don't say you believe them, that kid is pretty much going to shut down from that point on. And the effect can be damaging. A good example, my mother thought something might have happened, and my mother and father recently both passed. Um, And my mother brought me into her room, my dad in her room, and she said, don't let anybody touch you. Well, he had already touched me, so now I thought it was my fault. Now, she didn't mean it that way. She meant it in a loving way, but it taught me we have to be so careful the things we say to our children because sometimes we can say things in a way that if certain things have happened and if we say don't let and someone has touched them, so often the child will feel it's their fault, so they're now not going to tell you. But in the 60s, we weren't talking about it anyway, so living in the south side of Chicago, the odds of me have saying something anyway were slim and none. I just buried it, and you're right. Predators are very good at grooming you, and then the threats of violence and different stuff, if you tell. Um, and when you're a kid, it's it's very um, it's very tough. But I was very blessed to um, – we moved away a couple of years afterwards. Uh, we moved to Michigan because my dad got a new job. Uh, my mother had an inkling something might have transpired, so she kept him away from us. But I never said anything. Um, so it, it's a very delicate balance to deal with. Um, I personally believe any person who's a survivor that needs, who wants to heal, definitely needs to get some kind of counseling from people or a person who's trained in it because this is something that you really have to work through um, just to feel feel good and, and know you're going to get through it. So I just share my story to help others know that healing is possible and incredible life is possible, and most importantly, that you're not alone on this journey, because that's how I felt. I felt alone that no one else had gone through what I had gone through. I felt the guilt that it was my fault. Uh, and I felt the guilt. How can I let? How did I let that happen? And then, as an adult, I carried the guilt of that I let this person hurt other people because I didn't say anything. So you go through a wide array of emotions and dealing with um, being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and probably being a survivor of any type of abuse. And that's true. I would like to just see, Mr. Moody, when you said your mom said don't let anybody touch you and somebody had already touched you, what do you think would be the right thing to say after a child's already been touched and you don't and you aren't aware of it, but you're asking the question, do you say have you been touched versus don't let? I'm going to be careful how I answer that, so I'm going to answer it this way. Because, again, I'm not, not a professional. professional. So, yes, exactly. So this is what I would recommend. I, I do a lot of train. I, I do a lot of work with Darkness to Life. Um, mm-hmm. It's a national organization. They have a toll-free number, d2l.org. You have a lot of child advocacy centers. I would highly recommend if a parent or a guardian or anyone thought a child had been sexually abused, I would highly recommend that they contact somebody like a child advocacy center or darkness to light or any kind of agency that specializes in that and ask them the proper way to ask a child. Um, That would be my advice. I'm not, I I would be very cautious to say what, what should be said because I'm not trained in that and I don't want to tell somebody inappropriately, but I do know the places you should call for advice. 
that are very good at this, who could walk a parent or a guardian or or any concerned person who thought something was going on with a child, the proper steps on how to address it, uh, approach the child, and make that child feel comfortable. Yes, and um, what Mr. Moody just mentioned, the website is Darkness to Light, and it's www.d, as in David, to the number two, and the letter L.org, Darkness to Light. And they have training, and they also have advocacy associates there all over the country, in your local community, in your state. They have various ways for you to get in touch with them. And the Child Advocacy Centers, Advocacy Centers are also in your local community, your state. They're normally by county. So if you live in a particular county, then whatever county that is, then it would be the county name and the CAC Child Advocacy Center. So you can look them up. And again, if anyone is on the line and you are having any type of triggers that are going off by this conversation, please call the 1-800-656-4673 National Sexual Assault Hotline. And again, Mr. Moody is here giving us of his time, and I appreciate it so much because he is a man speaking about his experience as a boy being sexually abused by a teenage boy. He was, I believe you said, nine years old, Mr. Moody. And yeah, yeah, probably about nine years older. But, but yes, and your abuser was like 17. And right. if, if this was something that we were looking at today versus in 1960, this would be considered a man assaulting Correct. a child. A and, and, and un- yeah, and unfortunately, too, there's a large number of older teenagers who sexually abuse children. We tend to think it's, you know, the guy with the trench coat and who nobody knows, and that's really such a low percentage is the, um, what do you call the um, random pedophile, the the true Stranger. pedophiles that we, we deal with are someone, again, close to the family or a family member or someone respected by the family who the family trusts with children. And that's why the training is so important uh, through darkness of light and other things for any parent or caregiver to understand the things to look for. And, you know, one of the things I made sure of my own children, I didn't let what happened to me cloud me from letting them have good, healthy childhoods. I just did my best to stay aware uh, made them feel very comfortable to talk to me about those things and what to look for. So it's just a matter of us getting comfortable as parents or caregivers, um, empowering our children um, to know what's safe and speak up, but also us getting properly trained how to watch out for this because unfortunately it's one in six to one in 10. So, the number's very high, and we need to be aware and uh, stay on top of this. Yes. And just so that if you're out there and you're listening and you are a man, you are a boy, and you say, okay, well, I wasn't abused by my babysitter. There are children who are being abused by parents. So what we're saying, whether it's your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your granddaddy, your grandmother, the pastor, whomever, your teacher, whomever it is, if someone has sexually violated you, you are not alone. And there are organizations there to help you if you are still in school and something has happened to you, go to your school counselor, go to the principal's office, and tell them what's happening. And if they don't believe you, because sometimes they don't believe either. You know, fortunately... Fortunately, a lot of counselors are now being trained by Darkness, Delight, and other agencies to address this. So, you know, finally, as a society, we're getting serious about dealing with this because, the you know, so many survivors, unfortunately, take destructive lifestyles to ease that pain uh, yeah. when you don't have anyone who might believe you or you're too afraid to talk about it and you're suffering in silence, and so many people, uh, and I understand why, take destructive lifestyles from it. 
Unfortunately, I didn't, but I still suffer with the anxiety and the PTSD. So I didn't walk away scot-free, that's for sure. And, you know, I have triggers, and there are times where you relive it, and it never goes away. Um, So it's, it's just something we have to do our best to help with prevention and then those who have been sexual abuse help them in healing uh, as soon as possible. And I always commend the young people who are speaking up very early when it's happened to them because they're saving themselves a lot of years of, of, of discomfort and, and pain by dealing with it and speaking up. And I really admire those that um, – address and give the names of the person who has abused them and, and let the law take care of it. Um, and and I just think it's a good thing that we're not being afraid to deal with this anymore. It's something we just got to talk about. We have to. And this is, you know, we hear a lot about what happens to little girls and to women. And I don't, you know, as a society, we seem like we're not ready to hear about what's happening to little boys and to men. And when you say that this is happening to a little boy or to a man, they're like, oh, that that stuff doesn't happen. And it's just like I have um, some other guests that have been on the show and some are coming on the show where they were sexually abused by their mothers and they were females and they they were males. And people like, no, that doesn't happen. You know, how can a woman, you know, violate somebody? Oh, trust me, there are ways. And for me, yes, sir. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, there are ways that women sexually abuse children. That yeah, I mean, we anybody can do that. Don't want to, yeah, we don't want to believe that a mother, someone said to me, that we in this country have mothers right up there with apple pie and baseball. You know, mothers can do no harm, they can do no wrong, but they can and they do. And then you have boys who grow up to be men, and then if they don't get the help, then there are other issues that arise out of that. But I've sat in the company of men and women who have turned to harming themselves, they've turned to abuse of drugs, alcohol, other things, and they've paid a high price for it, and they've either been incarcerated or they've dropped, you know, they don't even have, some of them don't even complete school. And I believe that the fact that you've had your mom and your dad and everything in your life, that they were solid people that that helped make a difference. The other people that I've talked to, some of them had this, you know, didn't have a stable home life. So to have an unstable home life and then to have something like this happen to them, they didn't really feel like they had anybody they could talk to anywhere that they could go to. So they dropped out of school. They started doing drugs in elementary school, and then they got caught up in other things and then ultimately ended up being a part of the prison population. And this is, this is the irony of that is because the people who harm them walk in the street free, happy-go-lucky. <laughs> and right, and well, that's why are, I decided to speak up because it was just it was put on my heart that I can make a difference. Um, you are. Just helping people know that they're not alone. They don't have to suffer in silence. Um but more importantly, just making people aware that this is real. I mean, it's not just a few people. Like I said, there's an estimated 42 million survivors just in the U.S., and it happens much more than we think. Um, and you can't really uh, look at somebody until they're a pedophile, so you have to understand the things that we can do to protect our children and the comfort that we need to give them to speak to us But the training is so important as a parent to understand what to look for. But, you know, it's it's just an unfortunate thing that's gone on since since time. But at least we're getting to a point to talk about it, and that's very important. It is. It is. And for me, I had a dream, and 
it was, and I'm not, you know, being like Martin Luther King or anything like that, but I'm just saying that I had a dream that I was going to be a part of the conversation. And I'm a part of the conversation as a survivor. I'm a part of the conversation as an advocate, and I'm a part of the conversation as somebody who's willing to speak up and willing to help any way that I can. I'm one person, but breaking the silence in my own life was important. And to see what you've accomplished and the things that you've done, I mean, it's just amazing. I, when I read, I've gotten this, to give you an idea how far I've gotten, I, I read all to where you were interested in the second half of your life and you turned your company over to someone that you had been grooming. And they became president, you became CEO, and then this opportunity presented itself at Harvard. And then, right. you know, Harvard had spring break and you were able to go to Honduras. Now, I want to tell you that Mr. Moody has roots in Honduras. His father came over. But this is this is what's so fascinating to me. His father is my grandfather as a teen grandfather, sorry, his grandfather came over, worked his way across the ocean on a banana boat. Yep, nineteen oh one. He was seventeen years old. To come to to come to America. And here he comes to America on a banana boat. <laughs> but because of your passion for your heritage, you go back and you volunteer in Honduras and you do things in Honduras. And then, you know, consistently you're doing things in Honduras where you're establishing things that will help the people in Honduras because you said that to go back and help is like helping someone like your grandfather that possibly has a desire and ambition to do something more. But then you come back to Harvard and ultimately you go through that training into Harvard and you're presenting your project to them as to what difference are you going to make as a leader in your community because this is this fellowship that you entered into at Harvard. And you lay it out, and for the first time, you put something out there that I hadn't even thought about. The way that you said you presented your project to them, it's like, I'm not going to start a nonprofit, but this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to make a difference. I'm not going to start a nonprofit, but I'm going to systematically do this, this, and this, and this. And the one thing that you said is that, you know, you're going to create articles that have slogans on them that you've created, and you're going to make those for sale, and you're going to make the proceeds available for the furtherment of your objectives and making a difference. And, again, please go to his website, MoodySpeaks.com. Well, one of the reasons – go ahead. No, sir, I just want them to go to your website and – purchase your book, purchase whatever items you have there because you are directing those funds to help other people like yourself and like other men who have been abused. And, and one of the reasons I didn't start a nonprofit, there's enough agencies out there. I figure I could put my own resources behind the website, wrote the book, and things like that to where people who were looking for a way in private to get some information on healing. They go to the website, doesn't cost anything. Uh, you know, my book is reasonably priced where they could read uh, and get information there. I just wanted people to have a way to get information. But more importantly, speaking up is not for everybody, and I get that. Uh, but every survivor has the right to be happy and healed. And that's what I'm more focused on is helping all survivors who are still suffering in silence realize uh, healing is possible, a great life is possible. When I say a great life, I don't mean financially great. I mean just a life where you could be at peace. You can have love in your life because uh, so many of those things you don't think exist for you when you're a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Um, and I decided, I said, there's probably someone out there who could really do something incredible for the world, but they're a survivor of sexual abuse and they don't believe in themselves. And I said, if I can just help one person who was going to basically just exist through life because of the damage done as a child, realize they could heal and do something incredible with their lives, then this whole speaking up 
has been worth it for me. I mean, I could have very easily just healed and stayed quiet because uh, when you put yourself out on this topic, you pretty much, you know, letting the world know what happened to you. And that's not an easy thing to do, and it's not for everybody. Um, and I just believe I've been put in a position to do this, and, and I do it gladly to help others. That's That means a lot to me, and that is also my way of paying back if I allowed this person to hurt others because I never said anything. I agree. There is some statements that Mr. Woody makes in his book, and this is like, I'm, I'm just going to share these that you gave. You said we need someone in our lives who is, our own personal cheerleader, telling us we are capable, worthy, and smart enough to chase our dreams. Because sexual abuse, for a lot of people, it kills dreams. It's a dream killer. It's a dream killer. It's a passion. It's like taking a flame and smothering it. It it will snuff the passion out of your life if someone doesn't believe you, doesn't listen to you, isn't there for you, you don't have a connection with somebody that you can trust to talk to, then he says that we have to be willing to put the work in. We have to do the right things, do things the right way, be patient and accept the fact that there is no shortcut we can take to turn our dreams into reality. He's really stressing that you have to have a hope for your life. It's that you cannot just say this happened to me and dwell on it forever because you were victimized. Yes, you, you know, you're a victim, but then you have to move out of that state of being a victim, I'm saying, from my own personal experience and move into the role of being a survivor. And it's a huge difference between identifying as a victim all the time and moving into that of a survivor. It happens to you, yes. But now that it's happened, how are you going to get past it? You've got to move into survival mode. And then after coming from survival, then you, you sometimes you say, you know, there's more to my life than just surviving. And I remember when you kind of kicked it in gear when you started doing marathons, Mr. Moody, and you started doing bike rides. And when you took that, I think it was like an 18-day trip that you took, I was living that trip with you, and I thought, that's it. It's like once you got to that point where things were reconciled in you and, and, and kind of like in the accounting ways, that things started to balance out in your life and your priorities changed. And you said, okay, I've done this. I can turn this over to someone else that I trust to take care of this, and now I can go on with the other part of my life. My my wife and I now that our children are off in college and everything, we can rekindle whatever we need to do and we can take it. And the fact that she just never doubted the parts that you shared with her when you said, I want to do this, I believe I should do this, and she was there. She was there for the journey when you moved from your house to go to the program at Harvard, and you guys said you moved into an apartment. You went from a suburban lifestyle where you didn't have a car, and you were walking, you were catching, you know, just all these things. You went to a different lifestyle, but she was there for you. But at the same time, she didn't lose her identity in you. She went on to nursing school and became a registered nurse. She switched from being a registered nurse to being a hospice nurse. This lady was there for you, and she continued to live her life. And sometimes this is the one thing that people who have been abused oftentimes because the weight of what they've gone through is so heavy and so deep that they can end up suffocating the other people around them because if you don't get the boundaries put back in place because your boundaries were destroyed and broken, now you have to reset your boundaries and you have to focus yourself and you have to really say, okay, what am I going to do about this? You know, you don't want to go and take matters into your hands, but if the statute of limitation has not ran out on your abuse, then you have other options, you have other choices. But in the meantime, you have to go about living and you have to go about existing. And sometimes people come to your rescue and you want them to stay there forever, and sometimes they're just there for a season. So you can't. Well, that's 
I'm assuming it's cutting you off, but that's one reason I'm very cautious when I speak to people, making it very clear I'm not a professional. I'm just a person who shares a story. Um, and the other thing you mentioned, my wife, and and I, the reason I talk about her so much through this because so often in a relationship, when somebody finally addresses being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and possibly having panic attacks, a breakdown and all that, a lot of times that is too troubling for the other spouse. And I understand that, but my wife, she just dug in with me, and she just really carried me on the journey to get through it, and I will always uh, love her and 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 admire her for that because she, even though it was tough for her because, as we mentioned earlier, her mother was dying from a brain tumor, in Michigan, and we were here in Atlanta, and I, and she was trying to deal with me. We're trying to figure out why am I having this. We had every kind of medical test done because I'm thinking I got a brain tumor the way I'm having these panic attacks and stuff. And then finally, one day I was talking with a counselor at church and then a, my cousin, and we finally figured out I was having panic attacks, and I did a little research so I at least understood that. And then finally, somehow, we were able to put what happened to me as a child to what caused the panic attack because I had finally said it. So once I knew what was causing it, I could start my journey uh, of healing. And um, and she was just there. I, 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 I feel bad because I've met a number of people who marriages broke up from this. And it's nobody's fault. Um, some people don't want to be around anybody anymore. Some spouses is just too heavy for them. Uh, some spouses, they get closer like we did. Um, so it helped me as I've aged. One of the things I tell people also is live in the present, be present. And what I mean by that, so often when we're with someone or traveling or whatever, we're always thinking about tomorrow or next week or what I need to do. And I've really learned to be present, look people in their eyes and really be present, feel their energy. And one of the reasons I call my book the title Fighting Through the Fear, My Journey of Healing Through Childhood Sexual Abuse, when you deal with anxiety, PTSD, you develop what I call that imaginary fear. It can, When anxiety hits, you get this real flight or flight, and fear can really just stop you from moving forward. And I always tell people, if you can fight through the fear, that imaginary fear, there's good fear we should all have. I'm talking about that imaginary fear that's not even real, but in your mind is real. And unless you've been through anxiety, PTSD, a breakdown, any of those kind of things, it's hard to sometimes understand what a person who's going through anxiety is talking about. And that's why, like, I took a seven-day rafting trip down the Grand Canyon a few years ago and slept for seven nights without a tent. I always try and find things that pushes me to where I have to challenge some of my imaginary fears. And that's the other reason I speak up is to help people fight through that imaginary fear that's holding them back from achieving some things they want to achieve, but they won't even try because the trickster part of the brain is already telling you you can't do it, why are you going to do this, people are going to laugh, you know you're no good, and all those are kind of things that happens when you've been sexually abused. You have so much self-doubt, and your self-esteem really isn't that good. We can fake through it and uh, get through it, but that is why I also start speaking up. And I hope it makes sense to what I'm saying. It does. It does. And then you also mentioned that about false evidence appearing real that Zig Ziglar said. And then you went on to say we need to be loved in a healthy and nurturing way. And you just kind of, you know, covered that and you said that some people can't handle that level of truth. They can't handle your story. And then you go on to say we need to believe in a higher being, your faith. Oh, well, my trust. faith definitely, my faith definitely was a key part 
in getting through this. My faith and my wife hadn't been from them. I don't think I would have recovered. Yes, yes. I, I, I mean, I was I broken. I, I, I've heard of people having breakdowns, but to actually have one and still had to work and couldn't tell people I was going through that, nobody should have to suffer in silence like that because they're afraid to tell people what's going on. And that's why I speak up so more people get comfortable sharing with close people if they're dealing with something like that. Yes, and if the close people you share it with don't believe you, then you need to find someone else um, because there are people who will believe you. So then you said we can't let our past control today or the future. Whatever, you know, has happened, has happened, and now you've got to focus on what's in front of you. And that's where you said one of the most critical items in our lives, hope. And hope is created when someone in our lives believes in us and gives us words of encouragement. When we give and receive healthy and nurturing love, when we work hard and get the help necessary to release our past and believe in our dreams, and when we believe in a higher being. We can't let our right. past control today or the future. And, and let me tell you what I mean. Dream big. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, let me tell you what I mean by that. It's not as easy as saying don't let your past control you. It takes work. When you've been damaged, you can get stuck in that past. So it's work. But you can also get stuck there and never move forward and that's easy to do so it's I don't want to make it sound like it's real easy but it's something that's doable that my past will always be there what happened to me I will always relive it but I made a decision years ago that I was not going to let that person um, control my life you know because I was letting that person win You know, I, that's that's what was going on. I was letting that person win, and I couldn't let them win. And that's why I decided to proceed and move forward. And that is what survivors do. Victims, I don't know. I, I can only speak for. Yeah. I, I can only for speak me, for myself. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what motivated me. Yeah. Right, was not to let him win. And right, that's I said what he'd already. Me. Yeah. I said yeah. he had already, you know, messed me up. I can't let him control my whole life. Right, right. And I, I believe that that's the turning point um, for a lot of people. And then it's the point where some people don't make that transition that they end up in the cycle for the people that I have talked to that didn't successfully make that connection and that transition, that drugs became the thing that they turned to, alcohol. Um, right. Other, you know, other vices were things that they turned to because it was easier for them to run to that than to face what had happened to them without it. Because they didn't right. have that support, they didn't have anybody that they could tell to help them get through it. So they turned to other things that would comfort them, and they they found comfort in those other things. And then when it became harder and harder to get that comfort, they just went deeper and deeper until it just became a vicious cycle. And some of them that I've talked to, they're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and older, and they're still in that cycle because it's like once they, it's like you have, when you're at that point and something like that has happened to you, it may not come right away, but I can say for me, it was like when you made that decision, you were at a fork in the road. Either I'm going to let what he's done to me destroy me for the rest of my life or so exit, you know, to the left or to the right. I'm going to choose not to let him and what he's done to me destroy me for the rest of my life. And some people don't make that decision as soon as you made it. Some people make it later in life. But 
if you're listening to this show right now and you're ready to make that decision to not let this continue to have control and power over your life, please, 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 I implore you to reach out and get help. Reach out and call, again, the 1-800-656-4673 number, which is the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Go to Darkness to Light website. Reach out to children who have been uh, sexually exploited. Our website, there is a lot of information out there. And there are more men who are coming forward. But if you think about when you said 42 million people in the United States, those are people who have reported there are people who haven't reported. So that number is possibly higher because there's a lot of people who have not reported what has happened to them. And that's, that's a huge and staggering number. 42 million who have reported and have been. No, that's a fact. I mean, it's, it's, it's yes. serious. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, everyone has to find their own way and time to deal with it. Um, that's why I'm very cautious never tell anybody they should speak up or what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, I just share my story to help somebody, and everybody has to find their way and their time. And I understand how a person could take a destructive lifestyle to ease the pain because sometimes the pain is incredible especially if, yeah. you, if you have to still deal with the abuser or if your loved ones don't believe you and it's true. And um, it, it's it's a very delicate uh, balance in trying to live a regular life and deal with the damage of being sexually abused as a child. Yes, yes it is. And, again, I wanted to tell you the title of his book is Fighting Through the Fear. Fighting Through the Fear my journey of healing. Right, through childhood sexual abuse. Yes. And his book is available on Amazon.com. You can get the Kindle. But if you want the paperback, I would really strongly ask you to go to his personal website because at that point you can get an autographed copy, if you'd like, of the paperback. Correct, Mr. Moody? Yes. That is correct. Yeah, so I'm going to – I have the Kindle, but I, I want a couple of autograph copies. So. <laughs> All right, great. I'll <laughs> definitely take care of you. And do that, yeah, because, um, yeah, this is, this is huge for someone. And I really want you guys, seriously, this gentleman who has taken the time of his day is the owner of um, – you want to tell them, or is it okay for me to tell yeah, them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. I, I am the founder of C.D. Moody Construction Company here in Metro Atlanta, and um, I'm a Morehouse grad and a Howard University grad from architecture school. Uh, I've had my business for 31 years. Both of my adult children um, have been in the business and doing their thing, and my daughter's here, and hopefully uh, someday she'll take it over and run it. So I'm getting the next generation of young people ready. Um, yes. And we'll go from there Yes And there are other things That I really wish you, you have um, Restored a building at Tuskegee I always wanted to go to Tuskegee As a student And I read that you had Restored one of the original buildings On the campus of Tuskegee He also Has built And been a part of build projects At the getting ready for the Olympics When it came to Atlanta that was amazing that you were part of building that whole site. You were part of also building out the stadium in Atlanta, correct? Yes. And, and we've so done part... projects at Morehouse all over the place. And at we've, the airport. We've done, yep. Yes. The Cyclorama so, at the Atlanta we... History Center. Yes, and then also you did um, also the build project for the Martin Luther King project as well? Well, we did the Coretta Scott King Women's Academy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The school. So this is not somebody that just came off the streets telling you this. And even if it was somebody, I, I'm, I'm wanting you guys to hear from people 
who have the credibility, the believability, because sometimes people dismiss just other people. But I'm putting before you every single person that has been before you, they have all been people who have gone on to have a successful life after. So there is life after what you've gone through and what you're going through. And I want you to know, don't make a permanent decision to not see tomorrow. See tomorrow because tomorrow has the opportunity to be a better day. Every person who has been on this show thus far has told you of the trauma that has happened in their lives and they've gone on to have a better life. You have to stay here in order to have a better life. They've gone on and they've raised their children. They've gone on and they've had businesses. They've gone on to do great things. And it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. Grab a hold to hope. And I I saw a part in there where you talked about Pandora. And that was something that stuck out to me when I read the story about Pandora. And the last thing after all the evil things came out of Pandora's box, the last thing to come out was hope. And sometimes all you can do is hold on to hope. And the Bible tells us to hold on to it. Don't cast it aside. Because hope is what you need. Hope is what you need in the face of your adversity. And we have had on the show with us today the amazing Mr. C. David Moody II. And I am so grateful, sir, for your survival, for your thriving, for your overcoming and for the accomplishments that you've made and everything that you set out to do to help this population of men find their voice, if, if they're to speak up, or if they're to stand behind someone else and help someone else speak up, whatever it is, men, you are not alone. You will not be alone. There are people who will believe you. Speak up. If it's your time to speak up, speak up. But whatever you do, stay alive. Stay alive. Because tomorrow is a better day. You can overcome life's difficulties. And you have been on the air with Patricia Adams Live. And again, Mr. C. David Moody II. And please, please, please get his book. It's really, I think I've been crying on the inside while I'm reading it because I lost my voice almost. And I can't explain it because I haven't been screaming, but my voice just after I finished reading. And I got all the way up to Chapter 7, The Survivor Story. And so I glanced through some of those, and that's something that, with your permission, I'd like to continue to talk about at another segment of the show. I just survived the stories, Mr. Moody, if that's okay. Okay. And uh, again, like on, yes, because there is, I saw something in there that is tied to another story that I'm doing, and I think that it would just really, you know, bring it in. But I want to thank you again, for your time and any time that you are promoting anything that you want to do, feel free to reach back out to me. And we have run out of time, and I am just grateful, so very grateful again. And you guys, please listen to this, share it. We've reached as far as Spain, as far as the listening audience. Uh, According to my demographics and my algorithms, we've been in Pakistan, we've been in India, so people are listening to us live right now, Mr. Moody, all across the world. And I well, am hoping and praying that. Yes, sir. Whatever we can do to help others, that's the most important thing. And again, you know, I just want to close with letting people know that sometime our darkest days from what we've been through, we don't think we can get through it. But you can, you will, and you're going to be so much stronger than you ever realized. And the most important thing is you are not alone. There are a lot of people out here cheering for you who will help you. There are a lot of resources out here. And whatever you do, do your best not to lose hope and give up. Yes. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. God bless and God keep. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Patricia Adams Live, and I hope and pray that when you hear this message later, 
please know that this was for you. Wherever you are, this was for you. Again, tune in as we continue to talk about men who have been sexually abused. And we have women that we've talked about on the air. We have other women coming forward, women who were abused by their mothers. And we're, we're crossing the spectrum because all of the things that people say aren't possible, that women don't do this and women don't do that. We're talking about it here on Patricia Adams Live. But until the next time, please stay tuned and share this episode and the other episodes. And we will see you again. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.